Hello and welcome to Setting the Scheme. I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. And guys, I'm back. I know y'all missed me so much last week, but we good we news. We crap about you. I am back and it's okay. I talk uh, crap about you guys too because y'all forgot something very important last week. Do you know what I'm talking about? Nope. No, I have no idea. Y'all forgot the common sense media score for the movie. Oh, too so bad. you well, should all be ashamed of yourself. It probably wasn't Well, one. okay. There uh, actually was. Uh, I inserted it in. I, I figured that there was one, but I thought that the rush, the random like Russian website that gave a review, I did like that, was weird enough that it usurped the common sense media. Still gotta uh, have that in review. there. Still gotta have that I in mean, there. So I corrected look, that for you. It's okay. Look, I oh, just, thanks. I just want to say that I still want to have an episode where we just have it out with common sense media. Okay. Well, uh, anyway, I'm back. I, um. I am uh, freshly vaccinated for the flu and even got my COVID booster. So that is your welcome reminder to get vaccinated and have a healthy so holiday I, season. So, so Ben, I guess you could say that your future is Oh, Doug, that was a horrible bright. segue. That was a horrible segue. His future is looking bright, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's looking good. so bright. Jeez, all right. <laughs> I mean, honestly, my future is looking really bright. Uh, I'd say, as uh, y'all mentioned last week, I'm... Uh, engaged and getting to marry the greatest girl in the world and we're super duper excited yeah so yes uh, my future is bright which is also the name of the movie that we're talking about this week yes yeah. this week we're talking about this week we're talking about my future is bright no Film. close it's called bright yeah it was on netflix yeah it's a <laughs> netflix original starring uh will smith and uh, joel etcherton and probably some other people whose names i do not know numi yeah. rapace I'm just going to shut up and let Doug talk because I know he's got the information pulled up. Yeah, guys. I mean, you know, I, I to quote to quote Sigourney Weaver uh, in Galaxy Quest, I have one job on this show. It's stupid, but I'm going to do it, okay? Thank you. Um, Fair yes, we watched Bright, the 2017 Netflix bomb that stars Will Smith, Joel Edgerton, Lucy Fry, uh, Numi Rapace. Uh, I apologize if I uh, mispronounced your name. Uh, Edgar Ramirez, Ike Barinholtz, Don Olivier. Uh, yes, uh, a bunch of other folks who really don't do anything for the movie. Uh, ratings wise, this movie has a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb, a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 29% on Metacritic, and 84% on the Google. Uh, and it was directed by David Ayer, uh, and it was made. For a budget of y'all ain't ready for this, it was around hundred million. Ninety million dollars. <laughs> wow! This is also, also got three stars out of five on Common Sense Media. This is also the first uh, blockbuster movie that Netflix itself like produced fully. Um, before this, like they had produced like a couple TV shows, like obviously Stranger Things, but this was their first like attempt uh, at a movie, and uh, yeah, it didn't work for them. Did not, not work. Very, not, not very well at all. Um, do uh, do one of you guys um, want to explain what happened in this movie? I got Elijah. it. Elijah. Okay. Oh, go for it, Tristan. Uh, well, we've got um, we've got an alternate universe, essentially. Still Earth takes place in L.A. Um, you have orcs and elves and humans. And probably other species that don't I forget saw. The fairies. Oh yeah, fairies. I don't know. A whole bunch of 
whole bunch of things from all over the place uh, thrown in here. They have some history, apparently. Uh, they don't. They they let you. Re- they remind you of it a lot through the film about the history. Um, they don't let you forget um, about what happened two thousand years ago, but they don't really explain it either. So that's really cool of them. Um, about two cops. One is an orc. One is a, a not a orc. Um, and he's a human. Indeed. Um, and they find a wand, which is very powerful. Um, they get chased by some people who want the wand. Um, it should also be noted that uh, in this fantasy world, magic is illegal, which is yeah. why the wand is so uh, sought after. Right. Well, only certain people can hold the wand and use magic. And if you are not one of those certain people called a bright, then you die. It kills you. And then, uh, you know, uh, shenanigans ensue. So. All right. Uh, and then uh, Will Smith ends up being a bright and saves the day. And Okay. Do you uh, want to give away the movie? Sure. Yeah. We I mean, we are too. reviewing the movie. So. Should have watched it, folks. Should have watched we this are, movie before you listen. Look, this movie came out in 2017. It doesn't even show up on like Netflix's like recommended. Yeah. I, uh, I have no qualms about spoiling the movie that we're doing a podcast about. And. And I just want, I just want to point this out because uh, because listeners you're gonna hear this a lot. This movie sucks. <laughs> you hear a lot of dog. That's for sure. I um, hate this movie. Have I, any of y'all heard of this movie before we decided to do this for the podcast? Well, I suggested it, so okay. yes. Um, I saw the trailer and thought this seems like something that's up my alley. Um, <clears throat> so I suggested it. I didn't necessarily know if I would like it or not. It just seemed like it might be up my alley. And I thought you guys might get a kick out of it too. So I suggested it. Hadn't seen it. Didn't know uh, that the critics hated it. Didn't know anything beyond what was in the trailer. I uh, I have not seen this movie before tonight. I knew the critics hated it. I knew that. And when it came out, they promoted the uh, the Machine Gun Kelly song that's like the title mm-hmm. track for this um, a lot. And I love that song. Mm-hmm. Love that song. Because um, this came out right as I was going into my freshman year of college. So like I listened to that song over and over again. This was right in that uh, time frame where like I was obsessed with learning as many rap songs as I could. This was when mm-hmm. I learned Rap God. Um, and all that jazz. Uh, so I will rap. give this, I will give this movie credit for introducing me to rap music. Um, but <laughs> other than that, it's not getting anything for me. Right. I, um, I saw it on Netflix. Um, I didn't watch it. I saw that it was being promoted when it came out mm-hmm. and I saw the trailer and I wanted to see it actually. And then I didn't watch it because I was doing other things in my life. Um, and then I heard that it got pretty bad reviews. So I, didn't so I said, I'm not really interested anymore. And say, so honestly, uh, before I watched this movie, I don't think I had ever heard of it and had absolutely never seen it. Um, but yeah, I wow. looked it up and um, kind of saw the front cover and read the little description on IMDb and thought it was going to be a buddy cop movie. And uh, boy, was I wrong, Ben. I'm surprised you missed I mean, it. It was on Netflix uh, all the time for 2017. I mean, yeah. it kind of is a buddy cop movie. It's it like kind a of play is. On, it's like yeah. a play on buddy cop movie. I, I the think problem it's, is, 
I don't know that buddy cop is the descriptor I would go with. Well, More here's gritty the thing. urban fantasy. Well, here's the thing because they took the buddy cop element of like lethal weapon. So they took lethal weapon, they mixed in just a dash of Lord of the Rings. They took that and mixed it with a little bit of uh, David Ayer's other big movie, End of Watch, mixed a little bit of that in there and that big and that big bowl. Now we're whisking like crazy. And then they added in just a bunch of Suicide Squad because David Ayer's got his got his grimy little hands on everything. And then just for good measure, they were like, they, they had fifth element walk in the room and just breathe the same air as it for, for a good 20 minutes. And then we got the movie that we got. Hmm. All right. Well, I mean, I I will say, I think the general idea of this movie um, is interesting because I feel like a lot of times you get this, Uh, urban fantasy that is like it's just the normal world but there's also magic like you think of something like percy jackson it's the exact same world that we live in it's just that there's magic present it doesn't really take into account what kind of effect that would actually have on the world so i will say that's one thing i actually really appreciate about this movie like i mean speaking plainly the world deals with a lot of um inequality classism racism and if there were fantasy um species that existed like elves like orcs then yeah that would almost certainly be the case um i think it's a little over the top with it um but i think it's an interesting idea a little see see i would argue that it's not that it's over the top with it it's that it's just surface level with everything every Every topic that they're trying to delve into, every discussion that they're trying to have about racism and classism and various socioeconomic struggles, um, they're just looking at the bare bones. They're just looking at the surface. They're, They're not trying to get deep with anything. And I think that's where I have my biggest problem with this movie is that it feels like it feels like they're in a situation where if they could just do something else, if they could just get clearance to talk about something else, then they would do it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they have that clearance to talk about it. Well, and they just part don't. of me, part of me wonders if um, they just wanted to make it realistic without necessarily trying to make a point about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I would clear. argue. I would argue that they're very much so trying to make a point about it because they straight up have the they straight up have Will Smith look at a look at uh, Nick or Jacoby. It's Nick Jacoby, uh, but anyway, um, they have him straight up look at him and say, uh, "I need to know: Are you going to be a cop today, or are you going to be an orc today?" Like when you have a line like that, you're clearly trying to make a point. But I don't think that you're even, I don't even think that the movie's willing to delve into that point any more than just that line. Because I, mean, I guess what I'm saying is I think they're trying to make the point that it exists in this world, not trying to make like a deeper uh, point about society as a whole, which is where you would expect a movie to take those kinds of topics. Yeah, the, the movie is, a, is it's, a, it's about, like the plot is about, they have this wand you know, let's, let's do something with it. Like, let's try to get out of here because that evil people are trying to take the wand. I mean, other stuff is a part of it. Yeah. 
there's a lot of there's a lot of racism a part of it obviously and that's big but i don't think that's you know that's not that's not who's in the driver's seat of this movie to me i just think that if you're going to have the lines that you're going to have because that one does not show up for a good 20 minutes of this movie mm-hmm. like it's 20 minutes before we ever see that stupid wand Long and enough. and because of that because you have this whole mounting dialogue about about uh the various uh right about the strong racism between orcs and humans uh and various other magical creatures and such um when you focus on that for the first 20 minutes of your movie that trains your audience to think this is what this movie is going to be about and because this movie took 20 minutes of my time 20 minutes of its whole timeline and did nothing with it that's why i criticize the movie for it because i feel like you you presented the audience with an argument of hey we want to talk about this or hey this is important and we'll get to it but you're not actually going to get to it you're just going to go on with the stupid plot about this wand well i will say that they do get to some of it uh specifically talking about uh jacoby um and him being accepted by both the orcs and the humans because he's in an interesting predicament at the beginning of the film where he's not accepted by either group. Um, He's left the orcs to become a cop, uh, become the first orcish cop, and all the cops think, oh, well, this is just an orc. Uh, He's just this horrible being. He's just going to go crazy and kill all of us and yada, yada, yada. And the orcs are like, well, you betrayed us. Um, You're siding with the humans, and he's just kind of stuck in between. But by the end of the movie, he's able to prove himself to both, which I think is a really cool journey for him. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I'm not saying that like this movie uh, makes it a point to like make a point about every single heavy topic that it deals with. I think it does see some things through, but there are other things that I mean, you're absolutely right. They just say it to make you think that they're going to touch on and then they don't. Yeah, Yeah, this Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I didn't hate this movie as much as you did, Doug. I do hear what you're saying. I think you're you're right about some things. Um, I don't think this is an especially deep movie, but it does have a little bit of depth. And I think most of what it does with that little bit of depth is pretty well executed for what it is. I mean, this is um, it's a fantasy film, but it's not. um it's it's not super deep it has just enough depth that you can tell there's commentary going on mm-hmm. uh, and that's about it you know like doug said it, it doesn't really dive into these topics as much as it could this is also a, an action flick where it's just like you know like the heroes on the run the bad guys are chasing them there's a fight in a gas station there's a fight in this hotel mm-hmm. or whatever you know it's one of those kind of movies where it's like you get a little breather and then suddenly the bad guys are here and there's another fight and the good guys have to get away mm-hmm. again it's that type of movie and so it's um it's just not going to spend a whole lot of time on those topics but i think just given the type of movie that this is I think it capitalized on those themes pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I, and uh, part of me also thinks that the reason it's so kind of heavy handed with those topics at the beginning is to give you a sense of the world. Cause I mean, other than that, 
you don't really get a sense of the world. You don't get a sense of the underlying mythology of this world. You get kind of like bits and pieces of it throughout, but you're just dropped into the middle of this world. So I think part of that is just like trying to show you what this world is like before really getting into the plot. So honestly, I think I've kind of talked myself into being okay with all that. Yeah. So I mentioned this to y'all that some of the critics I saw didn't like this movie because they didn't think the world building was established very well. And that the background of, of this world was not explained very well. I disagree. I think they explained it as well as they needed to. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, I I watched this movie and at the beginning thought, yeah, that's heavy handed. You know, I did think like, uh, like Mike said in our group text, he said something like it has the subtlety of a bomb. And I, I felt that like at the beginning, it was not subtle at all. It told you exactly what kind of world you're getting into, which uh, chuckled a little bit when the uh, Joe Rogan podcast scene showed up. Uh huh. Yeah. I it's, it's enough that I'm like really puzzled by the critics who didn't understand the world they were watching. I think it was abundantly clear, almost too clear. Like they could have spent a little less time on it. Um, and I kind of, I don't really enjoy that subtlety of a bomb type thing. Um, but on the other hand, the way they did that exposition with mostly graffiti was fitting and a little refreshing because we didn't have to get a narrated, here's what happened a thousand years ago type thing. Yeah. Um, they, they, I think you're right. And the critics are right because what they did was released so much information in this movie about the world that they at, they raised questions about what happens or what happened or what's going on that they didn't answer. Yeah, I, and, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Tristan on that. And I think they they maybe tried to or like pointed at it quite a few times they kept talking about something that happened 2000 years ago they've talked about a war in russia and they talked about like something i don't know something which i guess was like you know back in like early medieval times or whatever whatever before then (laughs) um but and i mean i feel like i feel like elijah you're right like using using that uh, opening scene with the graffiti as your sort of backstory I agree that's a good idea and I I think it works effectively in the movie but it's it's just the bare bones like this is all we this is all you need to know going into this movie and that would be fine if we never talked about it, if we never continuously referred back to this long history but because we do, I feel like I feel like the audience is kind of left in the dust with uh, with being put in the position of like this graffiti is the only backstory you're going to get. If you don't get this backstory from this graffiti in this uh, three minute window, then good luck understanding the history. But you don't even really need to like you get. Yeah, I mean, you, you get it throughout the film. Also, at least for the purposes of the film, I don't think it's a complicated history. Like, there's this group that's trying to bring back this Dark Lord. They need three wands to do it. And that's kind of it. I'm not saying that it's a complicated history. I'm just saying they're not good at they're not good at at 
taking this history and relaying it to the audience. I, uh, because I think that's not that's the story major... of the movie. Right. I mean, they could have spent 45 minutes explaining that, but. Then why they did didn't they mention to. all these little tidbits <clears throat> and like drag us along like a piece of cheese or something and well, we never got the cheese? Like, what's, yeah, the, what's up with that? The, uh, exactly. I think for in terms of what the movie is trying to do with what little depth it goes into race and class issues. Um, the, the essential piece of history is that orcs sided with the dark Lord a thousand years ago and the rest of society has not forgiven them and expects mm. that if they were evil, then they'll be evil now. And Jacoby, you know, his personal character arc is largely about proving them wrong. Mm-hmm. um that's not especially deep but that's a that's about as deep as this movie wanted to go with this mm-hmm. the dark lord yeah that's another and, one where i'm like we're just gonna let that all right cool that's I, cool i guess we're just gonna let that exist yeah if you want to talk about that more uh we can skip to a topic we were going to hit later the question of are they good characters because there's something i wanted to bring up sure yeah. So let's circle back around to the, um, the two cops later. Um, I wanted to share, I was looking at some things critics said, and I found one that was interesting. I am not going to read from the article. I'm just going to summarize it. But it's why Bright has a major woman problem by Elena Nicolau or something like that. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm pronouncing that right. But um, basically, she, in, in her critique, focuses on the two big female characters which are um tika Mm. and what's the other one layla Layla. yeah so they both they were elves who worked with the uh what's their group called bad guy it's like it's like illuminati i think it's inferno (laughs) well actually the illuminati were destroyed 500 years ago by the inferni yeah so um so yeah so they they were both with them but tika turned against them and is referred to as a traitor by Layla through the movie. Tika helps uh, the two cops to do their thing because she's trying to subvert what the Inferni are doing. Um, Well, those characters, those two female characters, (laughs) excuse me, their motivations are not explained in the movie. And in this article that I just referenced, um, the, the critic apparently interviewed the two actors who played these female characters and asked them, what do you think your character's motivation was? And each of those actresses was able to give a compelling reason why their character did the things they did, Mm -hmm. but none of it was in the movie. So these female characters are kind of just fixtures. They're the, the, this, this article says these female characters are actually the reason the plot happens. They are what moves the plot along. Mm -hmm. But um, their character backstories, their motivations are not given. The actresses had an idea of what compelled them. And that, those ideas actually shed a little bit more light on who the Dark Lord was and what their deal was. But none of it was in the movie. Um, wow. So, you know, with what, with what you guys have been saying, like, about how this movie doesn't give us quite enough history. If they had, not only would we feel more rooted in the world of the movie... But those female characters would be a lot more compelling because we would understand what drives them. As it is, we don't get any of that. Yeah. So, so that, all we I think know is... is that Layla wanted to bring the Dark Lord back and uh, Tika 
while originally was supporting that, decided, no, nah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I, I don't want that. Right, right. And see, and I, I'll say this too. Um, the actress who played Layla was saying that, um, that the Dark Lord had this whole thing with like um, conserving beauty in the world and what they considered beautiful was going to be conserved. And Layla was obsessed with beauty and wanted to bring back the Dark Lord to reestablish that obsession with beauty in the world, with preserving what, the, what their particular group thought was beautiful. If they had brought that into the movie, that could have added another layer of depth to the issues of race and class that they wanted to talk about. Because I could talk about the subjectivity of beauty. You know, it could kind of tie into real world kind of like. Um, how in the real world we have these certain conceptions of beauty that are pretty arbitrary and then you know if you don't fit that you're on the outside and you're not as good society's not working in your favor as much you know that could have been brought in as like that was the dark lord's whole thing that's why the dark lord was evil it was that whole idea that would have added a cool layer of depth Um, it would have made the themes hit a little harder punch a little harder when you're watching the movie and we would have understood the characters better, but it was not in the movie. As far as I can tell, like, I don't even know if that was background that the filmmakers discussed and then it got left on the cutting room floor or if it was just what the actress came up with so that she could play her character, you know, like it it wasn't in the movie at all. Yeah. I mean, I, at least speaking for myself, I mean, I think that just kind of goes up to David Ayer and not being good at this whole movie thing. Yeah, let's talk about our boy David. Let's talk about our boy David. Yeah, I mean, this is the second movie I've seen that was directed by him. The first one being Suicide Squad. Uh, This is the second movie I've seen. This is the second movie I've seen that was directed by him. That's the third movie I've seen that was written. uh, That uh, that was written by him. Um, And uh, yeah, yeah, he's much better. I do think because this is weird. Because he he's a writer for uh, Birds of Prey, uh, he's a writer for Birds of Prey, and I think Ben and I both discuss like that's definitely a better movie than Suicide Squad. It's yeah, by but far I, I don't know if it's necessarily because of the writing. Um, no, I, I see that's the it, thing. Like it's that's the thing just Margot is, Robbie. That's the thing is I think I think that that be- movie benefits from a whole lot better direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it benefits from having a lot more writers in the room than David Ayer. Mm-hmm. And I think the faults of that movie fall on David Ayer. Cause I would argue that David Ayer knows exactly how he wants to shoot a movie. And I think he shoots it the way he intends to shoot oh, yeah. it. I don't think he knows how to write a movie. Agreed. I mean, like with this movie in particular, I think it looks really, really good. Like, I can understand yeah. why the budget was $90 million. Like it looks phenomenal. Yeah, yeah it's it's on the screen. It is on it's the screen. It's real bad though. Or I don't, I don't even want to say it's really bad. Like it, it's just not good. Like I feel yeah. like a few things could have been fixed and it would have been like a pretty good movie. But as it is, it's it, it just kind of misses. Um, did you guys see Fury? Yes, and no, you know man. what? I liked that movie. I did too. I, I only saw it once, but I liked it a lot. Yeah, I don't remember very well though. That's the thing. <laughs> but I remember liking it. He did that one as well. He wrote yeah. it and directed it. Yeah, and I thought it was good. 
Um, but you know, Fury's a, a different movie than Bright and Suicide Squad. Those movies, um, they're not realistic war dramas. You know, a movie like that has a certain air. Um, we go into it with with kind of expecting different things. And a movie like Suicide Squad or Bright is kind of like, you know, it, yeah. I, maybe to make a movie that fantastical work, you have to put more into it. Not more money, but uh, more creativity. Maybe. I, uh, I, I will also say that because uh, David Ayer does have one movie that I think is widely regarded as his best movie uh, and it's uh, End of Watch. It's a. Uh, it's got Jake Gyllenhaal and I think Carlos Pena in it. I could be wrong. Um, I think I could be wrong. Uh, but uh, but anyway, uh, I think that that is supposed to be a really good movie, and that's done in like the the cop drama style. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that's because I don't think he write he did a lot of writing for it. I think it's a lot of improv work. Yeah. I don't know. I will say, um, I, I kind of briefly talked about this at the beginning, but I wanted to mention it again. Um, I appreciated his take on urban fantasy uh, because it is much different than what we normally get in the genre of urban fantasy. Yeah, um, I agree. What do you, uh, Tristan, Doug, what do you guys think? Do y'all want to see more gritty urban fantasy? Or do you just well, want to see this world, but there's also magic in it? You just didn't know it. Well, this is, this is my, this is my take on it. Because I watched this movie and the first thing that came to my mind was actually uh, Onward, the Pixar mm-hmm. movie. Um, because I think for the large, for a large part of this movie, I think it falls into the same problem that Onward falls into, which is you have this magical world and you don't really do anything with it. Um, I mean, I, at least for Onward, and I know this episode's not about Onward, I think that's the point. Like, it is this magical world, but really it's just kind of the same. Yeah, but I feel like for this movie, it was a selling point. Onward, I, I'll give me, you that. Onward feels like this it feels like D&D evolves. It feels like D&D 2,000 years of the future, you know? Yeah. It's like they just became a society. They have cars and things, but they're still all who they are and they're still magic and whatnot, you know? Um, Brian, Even in Onward, like, magic is really kind of faded just yeah. because they have technology and they don't really use magic anymore. Bright is something else entirely. It's trying to mix the real world with not entirely, but it's trying to mix the real world with LA and humans with other stuff. I mean, I, I had to Google urban fantasy to find other films that considered urban fantasy because I couldn't really think of any, but yeah, Onward is one. I guess the one we watched last week would be one, Highlander. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So in terms of world building, honestly, I think Bright was very effective. Um, I think they should have included this interesting tidbit about the Dark Lord and what actually motivated them and why that affects the motivations of the female characters in Bright. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, 
now that I now that I've read what I've read about that, I feel like that was a, a key piece that's missing. But just having watched the movie, I thought the world building was really effective for what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. I I have a hard time understanding why critics thought this world just wasn't explained. I think it's it's explained plenty. Yeah. I, so think it's I, I mean, I, I think the big thing is that a lot of times when you see a fantasy movie, people expect, well, the 20 minutes that they're going to set aside at some point in the film to explain the long fantastical history of what's going on. And it didn't right. have that. Right. I And instead it has the graffiti, mm-hmm. which I thought was a little refreshing, <clears throat> even though it, you know, like Mike said, it had the subtlety of a bomb. I think for what this movie was trying to do, I think that was fine. Um, I guess like Doug, I would have liked to see this movie strive to go at least one layer deeper with its themes. Um, but in the end, it's an action flick. It's it's not going to be that deep. Yeah, I mean, I, I think my biggest thing, uh, Elijah, you, you've touched on it really well. The villains aren't compelling. Yeah. Like, like you said, we know nothing about the Stark Lord. We really? don't know why this group is trying to bring him back. And... They're just evil. Right. Seemingly. They just want, I mean, uh, you, you talked about, you know, what uh, Numi Rapace said about it. And we didn't get that. So we didn't get any backstory about what they really even want to do. Yeah. I mean, and kind of reminds and, me like in Suicide Squad, like the bad guys were just bad because they're bad. Yeah. And I mean, like, not not to be a dead horse, but. I mean, I think that's I think that's one of the reasons why the fact that they don't delve into those deeper issues so much, I think that's why that's such a big problem with me because they really do not set up this villain that well. Like the world is a better villain than the actual villain. And because of that, I want to know more. I want them to talk more about the world than I do about the villain because i could care less about the villain and i'll also i'll also say um because i i do think it's important to to point out uh the kind of mindset that you have going into a movie um yesterday i watched a movie that talks about like racism and classism a whole lot better uh and that one's definitely still on the brain Mm. um so there, there is a lot of a comparison going on in my head between these two movies. But still, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing for me is that I care more about what's going on in the world than I do about the villain. Uh, kind of going uh, off of that, they also set up this like potential conflict with the guy um, who's like the federal agent that's like super against magic, uh, the elf guy with the, um, with the mop hairdo. Um, whose name that I cannot remember. I kept thinking that they were going to set him up to be the bad guy as some like twist. And because I mean, the dude straight looks evil. And I, I thought I, I they were working. Didn't really understand with, him. Well, I thought they were. the federal agents were working with the bad guys. Were they? No, I don't think so. Okay, because there was a scene where they were like tracking uh, the the cops phone call when they were at the gas station yes and well, i don't were, think they, the federal agents knew that they looked the they federal were, agents where they were looked like the same setting as the elves that were chasing them they had the same equipment um mm-hmm. the those federal agents were trying to keep magic contained 
That was their whole thing. And so they were just trying to locate the wand to keep this problem contained. Mm -hmm. Although I guess the guy being in charge of the thing, trying to stop something also wanted to be wanting to have that something is probably a trope in this movie had enough tropes. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I understand not making him the villain, but literally make him look like a villain. Yeah. Well, maybe that was a red herring. Maybe. Um, maybe there's supposed to be a sequel apparently yeah. i don't know if that's really going to happen it's uh it's been in development uh for i believe the amount of times that the for or the amount of time that this movie has been yeah released well, well in may purgatory of, is what we call that uh yes. yeah yes 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 yes, yes. yeah in, um in may ahead. of last year was the last time they said that things yeah. are still happening um let's talk about the the two main characters um nick jacoby and william smith what's his name wade uh daryl ward daryl ward okay and uh, i didn't yeah. know that his first name was daryl uh till jacoby was in the burning building and he shouted daryl i was like who the heck is daryl yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I'll, I'll i would love to talk about this first because the only the only universal uh, praise that this movie gets is they really like Joel Edgerton in this movie, mm-hmm. and I'll give them that. Like he does a good job. Oh, absolutely, I, I think his, his I is the best performance. Like I by agree. far, by far, he has the best performance in the movie. Mm-hmm. That may or may not be because he has the most to do in the movie, but be that as it may, he still is the best uh, performance mm-hmm. in the movie. And then right next to him is just Will Smith being Will Smith. Yeah, okay. Uh, listeners, I want you to go back in time with me for just a second. Go back to, I believe, 2018, when uh, when Will Smith started off a little video called YouTube Rewind. And he started off with, like, this very guttural, like, roar, like, Rah! and And he got a ton of crap for it, ton of flack for it. Um, because everyone kind of unanimously say, said, this is the point where Will Smith does not care anymore. I think that this movie is actually the point at which Will Smith does not care anymore. Cause I believe that Will Smith just got up and was like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a paycheck today. I'm gonna get a paycheck today. Who cares? Yeah. I, I, however, I mean, like I said, this just feels like Will Smith being Will Smith. However, this is not a slight on Will Smith because Will Smith can turn in some great work. Listeners, if you haven't yet, go watch King Richard because that stuff's awesome. Ooh, I really want to see it. That. It, is, uh, it is currently my third favorite movie that I've watched this year. Oh, nice. Will Smith is, is really good. Yeah, he can. No, he is really good. Like, he can do mm. really great stuff. But every now and then, like, I think a, a critic once put it, that the problem Will Smith has with his whole career is that he made a character out of being the coolest guy on earth. And the problem with that is is that that can turn into, I don't really care what I'm doing. But yeah, like he does some great work. Like his early stuff, Man Black, I love Independence Day. Not everyone does, but I love Independence Day. Um... Man Black's great. Fresh Prince is amazing. Pursuit of Happiness is excellent. Um, I agree. And, yeah. Like, and, is the and best there part of David Ayer's uh, Suicide Squad movie? 
He's by far the best part of Suicide Squad. And he was <laughs> yeah. smart enough to leave. Yes, yes. Now, I want to say that when I watched Bright, I had zero problems with Will Smith being Will Smith as this character. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I didn't have a problem with it, but, I mean, he, he was just being himself. Yeah, I will say, though, if you asked me to name a bunch of good Will Smith movies or movies that I thought Will Smith was especially good in, I wouldn't have named this one. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, that's this isn't me saying that, like, I dislike whenever Will Smith phones on a performance. Because, like, cool Will Smith is still cool Will Smith. <laughs> like, Will Smith is is a likable guy to watch on screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. It's just, you know, in a movie that's already bad, he stands out as being bad. Yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah Joel Edgerton, incredible job. Yeah, Joel, Joel Edgerton killed it in this movie. Then, I liked him. Yeah. And then I don't feel like we get enough of a look at anyone else to really judge their acting. No. I mean, no. May, maybe Tika. This is a weird one. I actually really love the crazy guy who's out in the middle of the street swinging a sword at the beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, get, we get exactly three scenes with him. Mm-hmm. This man gets three scenes in this movie. And for all three scenes, I was like, dang. This is impressive. I like this. I I, I like I actually, what you're doing, man. I liked the orc leader. I thought he. I don't know who played him, but I at the first I was banger. like, eh. yeah, the orc godfather. At first, he's pretty good. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he's cool. Um, did you guys see that piece of trivia on IMDb that said? Um, Joel Edgerton has said multiple times that even when they were out in public and he was in full makeup as an orc, uh, people didn't pay attention to him because of the presence of Will Smith. I believe that. I I don't know that for a second. Okay, real quick, little praise of Joel Edgerton, because I really love Joel Edgerton. I feel like Joel Edgerton is an actor who does not get used much. And I think it's because... Joel Edgerton is one of those actors who I feel like will say yes to anything. And because of that, he gets put in really terrible movies. Mm-hmm. Like he got put in this, he got put in The Odd Life of Timothy Green. Uh, he got, those are honestly the two big ones that are coming up to me. Um, well, I saw him in, I mean, we talked about loving on the podcast in which he was excellent. Oh. Um, and then I saw him <clears throat> in that, like horror thriller i think it was called the gift or something like that i'll tell you he was in that he was also in the green knight uh, i don't know if any of y'all saw that oh i haven't you're seen right that. he is in the green knight i just mm-hmm. saw that uh this weekend man i forgot about it. he was good in that too dang mm-hmm. joel edgerton i know you're listening to this podcast um and joel like man first of all we'd love to have you on the podcast oh, absolutely. <laughs> we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about second of all joel I, we can I talk really about the hope few that, seconds that he shows up in Star Wars Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yeah. Joel, I just, I really want you to get the recognition that you deserve because you're a great actor, man. Like, you turn in some great performances. So, uh, I just really wish kind you of would on, pick uh, movies. Joel Edgerton. I'm really excited to see him return in the Kenobi miniseries. Yeah. He's also in a Planet of the Apes movie, which... 
which okay well i i believe i've made this plea to the guys before but i will make this plea on air um that i think we as a podcast should do the entire new planet of the apes trilogy because i swear like i'm not joking i'm not even joking who here has seen any of the planet of the apes movies that came only out the, the last original 10 years okay i have you have okay yeah i f- i rewatched the entire trilogy this year um, I firmly believe it is a perfect trilogy. Mm. I Interesting. firmly believe that. You know, I really enjoyed. I haven't seen all three, but I still saw the first two. And I enjoyed both. I firmly believe it is a perfect trilogy, and I think we need to do it on the podcast. We can break it up in three weeks, but I think we need to do it on the podcast. I'm down. Be it is the it is the only movie trilogy I've ever watched that I'm like, there's not there's not a bad movie in the bunch. Like it is perfect. Nice. So what were we talking about again? Bright. Um yeah. Uh, it I might be time to score this to say about. That's uh yeah, I was gonna say that. I, I, it, I, I think, think that's a good move. So who wants to go first? I'll go first. Cool. Uh I'll be real with you. I'm going to give this movie a score. Every single one of these points are for Joel Edgerton. Every single one of them. I'm going to give this movie a 20. Dude. Every one of them are for Joel Edgerton. This movie is not worth a 20. That's, or it's too I mean, low. That's, that's, that's way too his low. his personal opinion. I had to say it. I don't ever say it. Okay. I don't say it that often. I'm saying it. And while I'm at it, 500 days of summer sucks. Oof. Anyway, how whatever. dare you, um, Tristan? What, what, what do you what do you want to write this movie? Um, it was not a good film. Um, it was not a bad film. Uh, I think I'm gonna give this movie a 65. Okay, let me go next. Um, I. Uh, came into this thinking I was going to give this a low B uh, because like I said, I think this movie is effective um, for what is, what it is, you know, for what it is. I think it's, it's effective for the most part, but um, there's plenty to criticize also. And uh, you guys brought up some things that I maybe didn't think through entirely. And I think you've talked me down. I'm going to give it a high C instead of a low B. So put me down for a 78. If, If I may real quick. I thought of something. This movie in a college course gets a 65, which is passing a college course, but it needs to go and retake the class and it wants to do something more advanced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can get on board with that. Uh, it's funny you actually mentioned that. I'm actually going to get this 65 as well. Um, I, I, I know that Doug hates the premise of this movie, but I think it's an interesting one. Um, and I think it's one that with the right writing, the right directing, it could have worked. Um, as it is, it, it, it doesn't. Um, I think there are some good things. I think it's a really good looking movie. Um, but outside of Joel Edgerton and a couple other people, the performances are pretty lacking. Um, I also think that it drags a lot. Um, like this movie is only about two hours and it felt like it took a lot longer to watch it. Uh, but yeah, 65, I think works. Uh, after plugging that into our patented scoreometer. Bow, 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 bow.
I just saw yes. Elijah take out his headphones <laughs> for the first time, and I don't blame ma- him. it makes me feel bad. Oh, well, Doug, just so you know, I've been doing it since we got on the Zoom call. <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah, that gives us a final score of a 57. It's a nice round, well, nice round odd number. So the movie definitely needs to retake that course. If it oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really does. Well, speaking, I'm okay with this. Yeah. Uh, next week, though, we're not talking about just one movie. We're not just talking about two movies. We're going to be talking about three movies. Oh. And perhaps, we're not talking about three movies from the same decade. No, we're not. Uh, perhaps you remember in the past, uh, we've done uh, several variations on... Uh, a, an original creation of some jerks who talk about movies called December. Uh, we've done obviously the original December where we talked about Disney Renaissance films. We did um, direct to DVD December where we talked about some of their direct to DVD sequels. Last year we did DC and DC December where we talked about DC movies. Well, this week we're going back to Di- or this year we're going back to Disney, and Jeez. we are go- going to have. <laughs> Decomber, uh, where we're going to be talking about a uh, kind of decoms through the ages. Uh, we've got three picked out. Um, <laughs> we've got I'm uh, sorry. three decoms I'm picked sorry. out uh, from kind of each generation of Disney Channel original movies. We're going to be watching the 13th year, Camp Rock, and Descendants, which I've seen and loved the first one. I've heard of the second one. I've never heard of the third one. So... I think it'll be a time. You know what decomber sounds like? Cucumber. <laughs> Thank you for that, Mason. Next week we have our special cucumber special. Mm. You, you know, you know who stars in one of these movies? Can I say? Sure. Chris Evans. Because, the Jonas Brothers. Because his name stuns me. His name is Chez Starbuck. Chez Starbuck. That's like what a name that, is that? Like Doug made up for a, a joke. It's the thirteenth year. Okay, well, He's not to lead. make fun of this, not to make fun of uh, Chez's name, but Chez, that's a very interesting name, sir. I know that you listen to Chez. To I know podcast. you picked that name. You picked that name. You wrote that name down on a government form and said, "This is what I would like to be called." That's what you did. Oh, good you lord! Can't tell me oh, otherwise, good lord. But uh. I'm excited though. I've seen all three of these movies and they are wildly different. I've seen yeah. nothing and I don't want to, but I will. I'd say it'll be a time. Uh, be sure to join us for that next week. And in the meantime, keep up with all the cool stuff that we do on social media. You can follow us at Vider Media. Uh, we've got new episodes of Setting the Skeen every Wednesday and new episodes of Tea with Doug G every Monday night. And you definitely do not want to miss any of that. Uh, but yes, until next week, I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. This has been Setting the Scheme. Y'all have a great week.